0: Welcome to First Importance, the official podcast of the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and encouraged today by this message. In the early hours of October the 7th, 2023, before the sun had dawned on the nation of Israel, some 1,500 Hamas terrorists in a coordinated attack ruthlessly and savagely descended upon her neighbor. By land, air, and sea, breaking through fences and barriers and perimeters, unassuming Israeli families woke up to the sounds of gunshots and explosions an estimated 2200 rockets were fired upon israel overwhelming the israeli iron dome defense system and striking military and civilian targets these wretched and ruthlessly wicked people harassed and raped and murdered all throughout this time, young men and women at a local music festival were gunned down in cold blood as they woke up to the sound of air raid sirens. And by the end of the attack, 1,300 men, women, boys, girls, elderly, infants were murdered, burnt, beheaded, over 200 of these innocent people were abducted. The nation of Israel was not prepared. And I suppose that a colder, darker, more tragic day has not occurred to them since the Holocaust. They were caught off guard, perhaps lulled into complacency by treaties or the position that they had. Everything was going well on top of the surface, but beneath the surface, the enemy was conspiring, plotting their demise. And I am afraid that today, lulled to sleep by what is on the surface The church is not ready for the attack that is most certainly being planned beneath the surface at this very moment. I am not speaking of the plots of government agencies, and I'm not speaking of Republicans or Democrats, and I'm not speaking of... Uh, shadow things that go on uh, beyond that with regards to man. But I am, of course, speaking of our enemy who the Bible tells us is roaming this world, prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And yet the church has become complacent. Things seem everything, or everything seems okay on the surface, but below they are plotting our demise. You and I had better be ready to face a worse devastation than the citizens even of Israel had to face on that day. Because we know that the enemy is coming not just after our bodies, but after our spirit, after our soul, and to drag us down to hell with him. Today, as we look upon the scripture, Paul teaches us how we can avoid such devastation in Philippians chapter 4, in verses 8 through 9. In the battle against the mind, God has given us some instruction. Hear now the word of the Lord. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Would you pray with me, please? Father, you have given us your word. And we trust your word, and we want to be obedient to your word. So today, as we come to your word to see how you direct our lives through it, we pray that you would receive honor and glory, and that from us you would bring out the fruit of obedience. Help us, Lord, to not be complacent, but to be vigilant in guarding our hearts and our minds. Father, I pray that today you would remove the complacency that is in us. And Father, cause us to be men and women, boys and girls who seek after you with all of our hearts. Help us to be brothers and sisters who are pushing one another towards you. Help us to always remember that there is a battle waging around us even as we meet in this place today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of today's message is Ponder and Practice. Ponder and Practice. The title will also serve as our two main points. Now, I don't want you to get afraid as we move uh, through this process. We'll spend perhaps 90% of our time on the word ponder. And verse 8 In our passage today, and we will spend maybe 10, maybe only 5% of our time today in the word practice as I want us to focus in on this. More broadly, if we go back to the beginning of Philippians chapter 4, Paul has commanded us to stand firm. He knows that the days that are drawing near are dark and wicked, and he commands that young church at Philippi, who is so generous to think of him in his time of difficulty as he was in prison, he wanted to remind them to stand firm in the faith, to be ready, to have a position that is ready for the attack from the wicked one. In order to stand firm, he gives us an admonition of our hands, our heart, our head, and our feet. Several weeks ago, we learned about our hands. He commands Euodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And for the church to come alongside them and to join hands and to be unified, a sure way to not be ready for the attack of the enemy is to be a divided church. And at the beginning of Philippians chapter 4, Paul says if you want to stand firm, you've got to join hands. We're stronger together than we are apart. We ought to join hands if we want to stand firm. He continues on in verses 4 and 5. If you want to stand firm, it's not only a matter of your hands, but it's a matter of your heart. If you are a person who is busy with anxiousness and you are a person who is lacking joy it will greatly diminish your ability to stand firm during the difficult times if you're not rejoicing right now in the times of ease and in the times of plenty you will not have joy in the times of little and in the times of of uh, persecution if you want to stand firm, Paul has taught us that we, it's a matter of our hands being unified. It's a matter of our heart rejoicing and not being anxious and praying. He teaches us today that it's a matter of our head, what we think, and of our feet, our thoughts, and our action. And so, let's begin to dissect our passage today, verse by verse. In verse 8, we will see uh, today the word ponder the word ponder, on average Americans are exposed to somewhere between 2,000 and 10,000 ads a day. Can you believe that? Perhaps a lot of you, you can believe that. Our minds are constantly the subject of uh, people vying for their attention. All of these ads are designed to alter our thinking, to make us want something that we had previously never thought of before. No, not to make us want something, to make us feel as if we need something that we never knew existed before we watched the advertisement in the first place. Uh, There are countless ads that we are subjected to. And on top of that, everything is vying for our attention and to occupy our mind space. Uh, We should take extra care to guard our minds and our hearts. How you think—listen to this, church—how you think will affect how you act. And your actions will feed how you think. And if you take anything away from today's message, let it be this. There's a battle brewing right now for your mind, and you had better be ready for it. There's a battle brewing to occupy your imaginations and your thought space, and you and I had better not be lax because it's going to take root. If you give it the time of day, it will take root over. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 5 that we are to take every thought captive. So in today's passage, Paul will teach us how to guard our minds by telling us to think about certain things. You notice that at the end of verse 8, think about these things. That word think is calculated. It means I I intentionally set my mind on certain things. Things He gives us a list. I'm going to give you a, a series of seven questions to help you evaluate whether or not you and I are thinking or giving our thought space to the things that honor and glorify God. Number one, is it true? Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true. Now, if you and I are vigilant If you and I are on top of it and we're being intentional with what we think about, if we are obedient to this first command, immediately it almost eliminates all of the things that we worry and stress about. Asking the question, is this true? Do we know that this is true? Uh, I may step on some toes today. If you have given a, a lot of your attention to this 24/7 news cycle. I mean, my goodness, news, can you I can't imagine what there is to tell us over and over again. And then every single news station has a different point of view on it. In a day and age where journalism is dead and where commentary is alive, in a day and age where where news organizations are vying for our business, it behooves them to sensationalize stories. And so you may walk away from uh, whatever news outlet you listen to, and you may say, yeah, but is it true And a lot of times, a lot of times, it's not entirely true. Now, you may have some news organization that really blesses you and benefits you. I'm not telling you to be ignorant of the current events. I'm telling you not to be taken over by them. I'm telling you not to be taken over by things that are untrue. If you and I are to guard our minds, one of the first things that we do here, Paul says, is we're to ponder on things. We're to think about things that are true. Well, what is true? I mean, you can, you can try to follow politics and try to figure out who means what, who's, who said what, right? You could try to figure out those things, and you should get to the bottom of what is true. But can I tell you, you can know truth. Amen. This book that we have right here, this book contains Truth, fully filled with truth, no mixture of error inside of this. The Bible says in Psalm 119 and verse 60, the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Jesus said in John chapter 17 and verse 7, Father, sanctify them, your people, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Hey, listen. The enemy is out to get you. He wants to capture your thoughts and your imaginations. And maybe he has fooled you into thinking, they're only my thoughts. They're not my actions. But what goes in eventually comes out. And I also want you to know that sin begins not just in the hands and in the feet or with our lips, but it begins here in our hearts and in our minds. You ought to be vigilant. Is what you're thinking about, what you're putting into your head, is what you're mulling over, is it true? And I've got some good news for you, friends. The Bible is true. You can go to it and read and know for certain that what you are reading is absolutely positively true without error. But not only is God's Word true, But the Bible says of Jesus that he is true. John chapter 14 in verse 6, Jesus says to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Are you allowing your mind, are you directing your mind to thoughts of Jesus and his word? Or are you allowing your mind to be overtaken by things that are untrue or halfway true or just partially true. I want to encourage you to devote the time of your day to be intentional to think about the Lord Jesus. There is no greater subject that we could ever think about. There's no greater thing that you can devote your time to to, than to sit down and look upon his word and think about Jesus. You're never going to run out of good things to say about Jesus. We're going to spend an eternity uh, saying over and over again, proclaiming his praise and his worthiness because he is true. My friends, set your eyes and your minds on what is true. Not only is it true, is it honorable. Verse 8 Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable. Are your thoughts honorable? If I, could, uh, if I could capture all of your thoughts right now and put them onto uh, a, a projector or onto on a, a movie screen and I were to display them in 4K on a 9x16 uh, screen here, uh, would people recoil or would they revere you? Probably the former, right? Why? Because it's easy to act out here. Right? I can present something to you that isn't fully who I am. You can present something to me that fully isn't who you are. But in here, there's no hiding. Are your thoughts honorable? Amen. My friends, you and I ought to set our minds and our hearts when we're, when we're thinking uh, throughout the day on things that are honorable. And we're to give no quarter for those things that are dishonorable. Now, immediately, this does away with most of our social media usage. (laughs) You could look at social media, uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I could, hey, young folks, I could make up a name here. Most people wouldn't know. I would not know whether or not it's an actual social media platform. Most of what we see on there, it's not honorable, is it? I mean, not really. The Bible, in, the, in the Bible, this word honorable is used just a couple of other times. It's used when speaking of the qualifications of elder. I believe it's in Titus. And when speaking of the qualifications of elder, it is not only that they should be honorable, but it's, it's uh, translated as the word dignified. Are your thoughts dignified? Are they honorable? Have you heard the story of the lumberjack who was out in the woods and he came across a poisonous snake who was very ill and near to death. And he brought the snake home and he nursed the snake back to health and he sang the, the snake back into joy and set him next to the fire and covered him up with a blanket. And over the course of weeks, he brought him back to health. And one day when coming back in from the woods, he came in to find that his wife and his children were dead from a snake bite. And he looked to the snake, and he said, why? I brought you back to health. I nursed you. I gave you everything that I have. Why did you do this to me? And he said to him, I'm a snake. Hey, listen, if you put dishonorable thoughts into your mind, don't be surprised when it comes back to bite you. It's going to happen every single time. You and I are to be filling our minds with what is honorable and putting outside of our minds, no, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to put that away from me. We're to exercise self-control and to put outside those things that are not honorable. Is it honorable? Thirdly, is it just? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just. Perhaps your translation reads, righteous. Uh, That means, this word means right and fair, just as a very good uh, translation for the Greek word that is here. Are the things that you and I think about just or fair in the economy of God? You've heard it said that revenge is a dish best served cold. Have you heard that? The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Has someone wronged you and you've given your thoughts to what you could do to that person? And you said, don't worry, I would never actually do it. First of all, thank you. Thank you that there was some level of restraint. But in the eyes of God, it is good that you have not actually followed through and done that. But in the eyes of God, it is a sin to entertain those thoughts in your mind as well. Revenge is not something for us to take part in. Our thoughts Our minds ought to be filled with God's justice. It ought to be uh, just thoughts, bitterness, rivalries, dissensions, all amongst God's people is an affront to the justness of God. Do you believe that God is just? That's a good amen spot. When I ask you a question, it's a good amen spot. Do you believe that God is just? Yes. Most certainly he is. We can't understand his justness because our sins, the Bible says, we can take them before the Lord. We can ask him for forgiveness. And the Bible says that that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all because he's placed it upon Jesus. We can't fully fathom how just God is. But we should not allow bitterness and rivalries develop within the church or within our hearts toward our neighbors, toward our friends, to those who are around us. We ought to put these things in God's hands. Let God be just. Let your thoughts be just. Ultimately, we find this in Scripture. Ultimately, we find this in Christ. If ever there there were one who was just, It is him. Next question, is it pure? Is it pure? We've asked the question today, is it true? Then we can ponder on it. If it's untrue, we cannot. Is it honorable? Then we ponder on it. We think about it. We meditate upon it. If it's not, we don't. Is it just? Next, is it pure? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure. Are your thoughts pure? Oh, uh, I'm stepping on some toes. I'm stepping on mine first, right? You know, if you ever say, uh, Josh, man, you really stepped on my toes today. Notice I sit back here kind of with one foot up and the other foot over here. I got my heel on that left toe right now. I'm stepping on my toes as much as I am yours because this has been a convicting passage in my heart this past week. Are your thoughts, are my thoughts pure? And this isn't like, purity as the world would define it right i mean if i had a glass of water and there was just like one little microscopic drop of sewage in there would you say that that's a pure glass of water no we're probably drinking it anyways but uh you would probably say no i would not drink that one tiny little bitty drop makes that impure are your thoughts pure all the way our thoughts what we give our imaginations to what we give our heart to that that downtime where our mind is running those things ought to be pure psalm chapter 19 verses 7 through 11 teaches of teaches us of the purity of god's word Chapter 19 and verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So I'm giving you an alternative. I I don't know if you've noticed this. I've not said it explicitly at every point. But there is giving your mind and your heart and your thoughts to the things of this world, which have a mixture of everything, there's not full truth, there's not uh, full uh, uh, being honorable, there's not uh, full any of that, but I'm saying that in God's word, not only is it true, and not only is it honorable, and not only is it just, but it is pure. Do you want to keep your mind pure? Know God's heart, know God's word, read God's word, meditate upon it. Don't, don't spend 10 minutes at the beginning of your day to read the Bible just to check it off your list. God isn't impressed with that. There are plenty of worldly professors, a lot of people who know a lot about Jesus and they don't actually know him. And one of these days, Jesus will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Amen. Don't insult the Lord by just spending time just reading so I can check it off my list. But take that word and meditate upon it and think about it. It's pure. It's right. It's a lot better than anything that you're going to see on TV or on your phone. And listen, all of those things are vying for your attention. They're vying for my attention as well. We ought to be hiding God's word in our heart. It is pure and ultimately God's scripture is pure. Jesus Christ is pure without spot or blemish. We can look upon him when we fail. We can know that there is one who's been tempted in every way just as we have and yet without sin. Next, the question that you should ask yourself about your thoughts is, is it lovely? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Are your thoughts lovely? Sounds kind of feminine to me. You know, men, we're we're grizzly bears, right? Uh, We think about rough things, and we have a high pain tolerance when it comes to other people, right? Maybe not to ourselves, but to other people, we can laugh at injury. We show our love best for one another, men, by poking at one another, right? Insulting one another. We love one another. If you know that we love one another, men, if we make a joke about what you're wearing that day. That's what men do. You don't, men don't ever do that to women, okay? That's not, that doesn't, there's not a cross over there, right? So lovely doesn't come across as a, a manly kind of way of thinking, but the scripture says, believers, if you're to be men, if you're to be godly men, your thoughts ought to be lovely, not only pure, but lovely, beautiful. Paul commands us to reign in our thoughts and to only focus on what is lovely. Now, you may not consider him a theologian, and perhaps I wouldn't ordinarily, but this song seems pretty theological to me. In 1976, Stevie Wonder wrote the song, Isn't She Lovely? Talking about the birth of his baby girl, he said, Isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she precious, less than one minute old? I never thought through love we'd be making one lovely as she. Isn't she lovely? He was right. Isn't there something just so lovely about that little baby that you hold into your hands? And you see their little bitty fingers and their little toes, how beautiful they are. He recognized that that little life was precious and lovely. You know what else is lovely? Biblically, that is lovely. lovely. Biblically, the feet of those who share the good news are lovely. We think about the missionaries that we send out. Todd and Erica Carroll are here with us today. They spoke last week. Thinking about them leaving a house and home and going out to proclaim the gospel. That's lovely. Think about those who go across the street to share the gospel, giving your mind to going across the street and sharing the gospel with your next-door neighbor, with your coworker, that's lovely. Well let's fast forward. We've got to move through here. Is it commendable? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. Are your thoughts and imaginations commendable? Do you think about things that are worthy of praise? Or are they dishonorable? Reign them in. Reign them in. You say, it's just my thoughts. Your thoughts, your imaginations, whatever you implant in there is going To come out. It's going to take root. And our thoughts and our hearts ought to be on things that are commendable and give no quarter to those things in your life, to those thoughts that are not commendable, but only those things that are biblically worthy of praise. Finally, he says if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things low thoughts lead to low character low thoughts lead to low character but josh i'm not doing it doesn't matter how you think that's the way that you're going to go a uh, 16th century french philosopher said i think therefore i am who I, what what i allow to occupy my mind This isn't exactly what he meant, but what you allow to occupy your mind is what produces who you are, and it is who you are. You and I ought to make sure we ought to be vigilant as the enemy is below the surface planning our demise. We are to ensure, we're to make sure that our minds are guarded. How do you guard your mind and your heart? But with God's word, Hide it in your heart. Hold on to it. Read it. Study it. Love it. Don't just wait until Sunday, right? Don't just wait until Wednesday to talk about it. Talk about it with your friends. What do you think this means? Talk about it with your friends. Man, this this passage of Scripture really has my heart this week. Talk about it with your neighbors. Our thoughts are to be preoccupied with the things of the Lord, with things that are excellent. With things that are worthy of praise. And again, who lives up to this other than Jesus? Who is more lovely than He? Who is more commendable than Jesus? The one who left heaven's throne and took upon our flesh and dwelt among us, and yet. And although he was tempted, he was without sin. That same Jesus who went to the cross and died upon the cross because he was obedient to the Father, you and I were separated from God. We deserve death. We deserve hell. We have failed in everything that we've listed here today. Even after having come to know Jesus, we have failed more times in these areas than we have ever gotten it right. And Jesus took upon the cross the weight For your sin and every single sinful thought that you have thought he died for that sin. Who is more commendable? Who is more excellent? Who is more worthy of praise than Jesus? You call him Savior and Lord and you think about him an hour a week. If I can maintain your attention for just a couple more minutes, it will will make for an hour. And if I could somehow get you to see Jesus for that time, you will say, my quote is met for the week. You won't consult him in prayer for the rest of the week. You won't thank him for your day for the rest of the week. You won't go to him with your trials for the rest of the week. You'll complain about everything that goes on, but you'll never have taken anything before him. You call him Lord, and you give him none of your thoughts. Don't you see? You may say it with your mouth, but you never meant it in your heart if you don't think about him or long to be with him or want to spend time with him, if he doesn't occupy any of your mind and your thoughts, you should question who really is the Lord of your life. As a matter of fact, take out a sheet of paper and you write down what occupies your time and you, you begin to calculate, is it Jesus or is it this? And you'll find out real quick what's Lord of your life, where your mind is. Where your heart is. Now, there are some believers here today who, you know what? Satan's distracted us. Our minds have been taken off of Jesus. They've been put on these things that are untrue, that are not honorable, that are impure, that are not lovely, that are not commendable. And the point of Paul saying this is, listen, you're going to be tempted in those areas, but I'm telling you, guard your minds. Think about these things. Now, I promised you 90% would be in that first point, and about 10% or maybe 5% would be in this last point. Let me hit this last point real quick. You're to ponder and you're to practice. Look at what he says in verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Practice. Paul has said, I have lived in such a way in front of you that you're to be imitators of me. Practice what you've seen. Now, practice carries with it this idea of failure or not always meeting that target. If I'm practicing to get to a level of excellence in my life, it means that I'm not there yet, but it's ongoing. Paul says to you, believers, to me, as a follower of him, I'm to practice these things. I'm to follow the example given to me in Scripture of Jesus Christ. I'm to follow the commandments given to me in Scripture uh, uh, by the Lord of the universe. It's It's a daily striving. Practice carries with it this idea of striving. It carries with it an idea of discipline. Denying yourself, it don't come easy. The world will tell you whoever you feel that you are, that's what you ought to be. The Bible says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. One may lead to temporary happiness for a moment, but it's fleeting, and it will be gone. The other, you forfeit the world, and you gain something far greater. Practice, you and I, with our thoughts. This week, you're going to fail, if you're anything like me, you've, probably already failed while I'm preaching here a couple of times, right? I've, I've, I've probably failed a couple of times already just while uh, uh, preaching here. If you're anything like me, you're going to fail. Hey, practice this week. As you're driving down the road and that thought comes into your mind, you know what, is this, is this true? Is this honorable? Is this just? Is this pure Is this lovely? Is this commendable? Is this worthy of praise? Is this anything of excellence? And filter it out. I don't want to think about that, Lord. I want to think about what what you have for me. I want to think about your word and hide God's word in your heart. Practice these things. Well, today is November the 5th, and you're sitting in your pew, much like those Israeli families were sitting in the comfort of their own homes. And everything seems to be okay. But brewing beneath the surface, an enemy plots your demise. Will will you forfeit your mind today to him, or will you surrender it to the Lord? Will you forfeit it to the destruction of the enemy, or will you surrender it as a living sacrifice to Jesus? Pleasing and honorable to him. What will you do with this war on the mind and on your heart? It's November 5th. Will you find yourself unprepared? Or today, will you make a commitment to be prepared? Men, to make sure that your families are prepared. Mothers, make sure that your families are prepared. Everyone here, to make sure that you are prepared. Thank you for listening to First Importance. It is our prayer that you have been blessed by this podcast. We welcome you to join us in person for worship at First Baptist West Memphis on Sundays at 1045 a.m., where our desire is to love God, care for one another, and share the gospel. Thank you